on behalf of my wife and I and, and Sam and Kaylee, we want to thank you uh, for the cards and for the gifts. Uh, it's always an honor and a privilege to serve God's people. Uh, also, remember this week, remember uh, Sam and Caitlin, because uh, this Friday uh, we are expecting little baby James to join us in this world. That's right. So, so be in prayer for them as they have, they have to be at the hospital at 4, 4 a.m. That's, that's early. That's still dark. So, uh, so pray for them. Keep them in your prayers, and we will rejoice with them. And, and to help them celebrate, we have uh, Sam's mom, Dell, is here. And I'm so happy to have you, Dell. And... Um, I am thinking that at uh, between now and the time you go home, I really want you to come up and share um, what God is doing. And I know you're missing all of the uh, holiday festivities there in Strasburg. So, uh, so anyway, we're glad to have Dell here. And we're glad that we're in the house of the Lord. Amen? I want to talk to you about something that has been on my mind and on my heart, been pressing on my spirit for well over a year. I think it's critical that each and every one of us not only listens, but you hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. I want to speak to you on a simple topic. Fear not. Fear not. In Joshua chapter 5, there's an amazing story. It's the children of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And they've been wandering around, and, and, and the generation that, that came out of Egypt has died off, and there's a new group, a new breed of Israelites. And they go across the Jordan River, and not just any way, but they went across under the power of Almighty God. For it was the priests that led them, and as they put their foot out to step on the water, the water separated on both sides, and, and the children of Israel went across on dry ground. What an amazing sight that must have been. And yet, children of Israel go across and and God gives them a commandment to pull some stones out of the riverbed to remind people uh, of how God brought them over. But in Joshua chapter 5, there's this amazing story that God speaks to Joshua, and he says, I want you to sharpen your knives, and I want you to go through all of the men of Israel and circumcise them. It's a powerful statement. For 40 years, they've wandered in the wilderness with the law of Moses. But they get over to the promised land, and before they can ever walk around Jericho, God says, I want them circumcised. Because I want them to have more 
than the, the law of God that keeps them in a, in a boundary, a pericope, if you will, uh, of how to walk in relationship with me. I want them to have more than just my word. I want them to have the promise. I want them to know that, that before they are just living for me and living in a certain way to have relationship with me, that I spoke to Abraham and I gave Abraham a promise that the land which you are now standing on belongs to you. It's more, it's more than just having the laws or the commandments of God. He wanted them to know that there is a promise attached as well. They wanted, they needed not only the, law, the, the word of God, the law of God, but they needed the covenant of faith to go with them. Because where God was taking them was going to require an act of faith. It was going to require them to walk in faith. It was going to require a change of mindset from a servant mentality to, to a servant of God, to a child of God. I believe where God is taking us, this church, in this day, not just this church, but the church in America, with all of its consumerism and everything else, there is a dividing that is going to happen, and it's going and it's happening now. And where God wants to take this church this day is going to require more than just an understanding of Scripture. It doesn't, I don't care how much of the Bible you can quote, I don't care how much of it you can recite. If you don't have the Spirit of God to connect you with the promises of God, it's not going to get you where you need to go there needs to be a baptism in the Holy Spirit a circumcision of the heart for God's people to move forward we need the law of God we need the Bible we need the word of God on how to live and and what and what God requires of us but we also need to hear the voice of the Lord we need to understand that that God if God is for us who can be against us and you you will not get that understanding simply by reading it in the Bible. You get that, that understanding when God begins to lead and when the Spirit of God is moving in your heart and He transforms you, He changes you, and you can say, if God is for me, who can be against me? There comes a time in every church's existence when God requires of the, of the people within that congregation to walk with him. In one of the first churches that we pastored, it was decimated by a, a, a pastor. Pray the Lord forgives him. But for six months every single week we spoke on the goodness and the grace of God and nobody moved God spoke after six months 
in a in a song service we're singing a song and we have a piano and tracks that's not the tracks we have today they were split tracks if you missed it you missed it and we were there with with no musicians and 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 we really didn't have that much in the way of music and yet somewhere in one of the songs one of the ladies stood up in the in the congregation with tears flowing down her eyes and began to worship God in spirit and in truth and it rocked the church and from that point on we had revival because she was not only walking in the word she was being fed and walking with the spirit first church we were in 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 the alliance we preached some five years not six months five years that God would move and we had growth but it just wasn't growing the way I wanted it to and it wasn't moving the way we wanted it to and, and I remember those long nights on Saturday nights till 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning walking up and down the, the aisles by the altar saying God you've got to do something to change us and I remember the service so well back when we still had the chairs on the platform you know the big thrones I was right here. Tony was leading worship right there with his earrings and two sleeves of tattoos and and this big old guy got hit by the presence of God. And I watched him just start shaking like this. And the presence of God went from him straight through the audience. Row after row after row of person, people stood up with tears streaming down their face. And revival broke out. It wasn't very long. We had two services. We bought land. We were ready to build. And you say, well, that happened quickly. No, it happened after five years the next church happened again when those that called themselves the perceived leaders didn't like the direction that we were wanting to go and I, re- and I remember people our last pastor appreciation Sunday where one of the men, an elder in the church, was talking about all the pastoral staff, and he said, looked at me, he said, Pastor, you brought the Spirit. I didn't bring the Spirit, but I knew what he meant. I saw people that didn't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit seven years prior were now walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Every single one of them 
had a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of understanding. And it wasn't just the Word of God. It was embracing the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And if you and I want to exist in this day and time, God is calling his people to walk in the Spirit. He is talking to us to walk not only in the Spirit, but in the Spirit of sonship. Not S-U-N, S-O-N. See, God is calling us to walk in the Spirit of sonship. Israel was delivered from Egypt. Egypt still ruled their minds. And, and Israel still labored under fear. And I believe that there are many Christians today that, that are walking in, in the power of their own understanding. And, and, they're, and they're living a life of fear, thinking that they cannot fulfill the Great Commission, thinking they cannot talk to their neighbors, thinking they cannot live above sin, thinking they cannot do what the Scripture says they can do. But I want to tell you today that the devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. Then if the Scripture says that you can walk in the presence of God, you can walk in the presence of God. If the Scripture says that there is nothing that can hold you you down there is nothing that can hold you down for where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty you may not want to hear this but I'm telling you as a pastor pastors being a pastor is not always easy and I'm telling you what I believe I'm hearing from the Lord I've been wrestling with this for over a year, that our greatest enemy is not the devil, it's fear. Fear, phobos. That's where we get the term illumination. It's what we see that causes us to have dread and terror. Fear is rooted in our assessment of the reality you see, both physically and perceptually, real or imagined. Fear is based on our inability to control. When we feel like we're out of control, we grasp fear. Paul addressed this issue in the book of Romans, and he, and he talked to us about how to deal with it. If you would go to that scripture, please, in Romans chapter 8. Look what Paul says to us. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You did not receive a spirit of bondage from Christ. We did not move from one slave owner to another slave owner. We did not move from, from one person, that, uh, from the adversary that had us bound to another one that has us bound. For the scripture says, whoever the sun sets free is truly free. We moved from, from the cemetery. We moved from the place of bondage into a freedom, into a relationship with God Almighty that we are called the children of God. We're not slaves to God. We're the children of the living God. 
God, I hope you're hearing that. I hope you're letting it resonate in your heart. The spirit of bondage is a mental state of being. It's based on works and punishment, that if we don't do works, we're going to be punished. There's a lot of Christians that walk in that relationship that if I don't do right, then, uh, then, then God's going to punish me. And if I don't do this, then God's going to punish me. That is not from the Lord. God wants us to walk in relationship of love with him, helping us understand that we are the children of the living God, that he is living in us, that he moves in us, that his presence is with us. In fact, the Bible says that that same spirit which dwelled in Christ dwells in you, it shall also make alive your mortal body at his return. If you think good works is going to get you to rise from the grave you are wrong if you think that the way you live is going to get you to that out of that grave you are wrong it's the spirit of the living god living in you that's going to transform you and cause you to rise from the grave when that trumpet sounds it's the spirit of god spirit of bondage is a mental it's based on punishment. Galatians 4, 24, Paul addresses this, and he says, and he uses Hagar as an example, and he said, Hagar was the product of, of the human effort to achieve God's will. And we look at the Middle East today, and it's just blowing up. Do you realize that a lot of the problems, most of the problems in the Middle East are caused by Abraham doing God's work his way? God calls us to do a work. Are you ready for this? That we cannot accomplish on our own. We try that. We try to do it. See, bondage to self-will, to self-ability breeds fear. Fear that we're not good enough. Fear that we're not sufficient enough. Fear that we're not able. That God's work can't be accomplished in our strength. I think the church's greatest enemy today, listen to this, the church's greatest enemy today, and it's from fear, it's the things that we have created for God. Just as Abraham tried to do God's work his way, I think the greatest hindrance to the church in America today is the things that we have tried to do for God in our own power. God's calling us to a day. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But I will tell you this, that the church that you have known for the last 40, 50 years is not going to be the same church that, you've, that you're going to see in the future. Things are changing. There's things changing in the physical world. There's things changing in the spiritual world. And if we're not in tune with the Spirit and what the Spirit is wanting from us, then we will miss it. And this church that's been here 126 years, is that incredible? 126 years that, that has a vision and has a mandate to, to reach this community. Our vision, our, our legacy is not this building. In fact, God doesn't care about this building any at all. Well, I'm going to say that again. God doesn't care about buildings. 
God cares about souls. God cares about people. God cares about us walking in his spirit and realizing that we're not slaves, that if Christ has called us to do a work, then we can do it because we are the children of God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And we begin to walk and walk and talk and, and have the mind of Christ and be, and be able to be effective in the spiritual realm because we have been connected to the spirit of God. See, the children of Israel, fear, fear will keep you from your destiny. You will never fulfill the destiny that God has for you if you're walking in your own strength or you're trying to earn a meritorious award from God. It has to be through the Spirit of God. It's being baptized in His Spirit, allowing the Spirit to lead us and to guide us. The children of Israel had everything they needed from God to conquer the promised land. God had given them everything, and yet fear had cost them 40 years of wandering. It was because of their servant mentality that limited their ability. They looked at what God had called them to do and said, I can't do it. And when Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can, they wanted to stone them. You can do it. That's why God told Joshua they need the command, they need the covenant, because it's far more. And what I'm calling them to do is going to be beyond what they can do on their own. For the children of Israel cannot, cannot knock down the walls of Jericho, but I can. Children of Israel cannot conquer the giants, but I can in my way, in my power, if they are obedient to my voice, then I will bring deliverance. And God is speaking to his people this day and this generation, saying if you'll just listen to my voice, then great things will happen. Our greatest sins against God are not the things that we have committed, but are the things that we have omitted through fear. We're just afraid to do them I think when the scripture says go into all the world and preach the gospel I believe that's more of a slogan than a battle cry our weapons are mighty through God to the tearing down of the strongholds of the enemy notice going into all the world and, and fighting our, our enemies are both spiritual things that, that you can't accomplish on your own, that you can't achieve on your own. You have to listen to the voice of God. You have to be willing to allow the Spirit of God to have dominion in your heart, and it only comes through surrender to Him. Fear will keep you in bondage of your own ability and not taking steps of faith. Here's Peter, the rest of the apostles, in a boat going across the, the lake. The, the winds and the waves are, are rocking the boat, and here comes Jesus walking on top of the water. And Jesus says, what? Fear not. Don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter said, I'm not afraid. Lord, let me walk on that water with you. And Jesus said, come on. 
So he gets out of the boat, throws his legs over the side. Can you imagine that first step? Water's not supposed to sound like that. Water doesn't sound that way at all. There's no splashing. It's just solid. He's walking on top of the water as long as he has Christ in front of him. But when he looked at the waves and he felt the wind, there was a change of mind that said, I can't do this. And he began to sink. he would have kept his mind on the Lord and said Christ said I can do it so I can do it he would have walked all the way to Jesus if you keep your mind on what Christ said and if you keep your focus on him you'll walk all the way to your destiny but if you allow opposition if you allow the winds and the waves of this life to, to overwhelm you and you begin to look at your problems and you look at your circumstances and say, I can't do this. You're right. You can't do this. Peter was not supposed to be able to walk on water, but he was able to do it because he stepped out in faith and he didn't allow his fear to conquer him. Fear will keep you in the bondage of your own ability you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And it's the Spirit of God that releases that, that faith in us that we are able to see the Lord. See, it's fear that keeps us from taking those faith-filled risks. Remember the servant with one talent. The Bible says for fear he went and hid it. He had the same opportunity as the one that had five and the one that had three. He had the same opportunity, but fear kept him from acting. Fear cost him his life. So fearful of losing what was given him. Fearful of losing what was not his in the first place. that he chose not to take a risk, to play it safe. The Bible encourages, the Spirit encourages all of us to take faith-filled risks in life. To take a risk, to, to speak to that person, to share the gospel, to, to do whatever the Spirit is asking you to do. And, and, it's, and sometimes it just makes you feel, let me find a technical word, stupid. And yet you don't know. You don't know. How powerful that simple act of obedience to the Spirit really is. You don't know how much fruit it's going to, to produce. 
you don't know how many lives it's going to change. See, it's not our responsibility to transform the lives. Our responsibility is to do what the Spirit asks us to do. And here's the truth of it. If you're not listening to the Spirit, you're not going to hear the Spirit. Because the Spirit will not push His way on you. The Spirit is not forceful. It's not pushy. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, moves in our lives, but He prompts us to come a little closer. He prompts us to, to move a little deeper in relationship. He prompts us to love God a little more. He prompts us to dedicate our lives completely and wholly. He, he prompts us to walk in relationship with, with Him. And when you're walking in relationship with Him, the scales of your eyes are lifted and you see things from, a, from an eternal perspective. You see things. That's why Paul said he had the mind of Christ. He didn't know everything Christ was saying. Uh, he just knew what Christ was speaking to him. You can know what Christ is speaking to you if you embrace taking spirit-filled, faith-filled risks. See, the enemy walks around looking for places to, in, in, in to grip us with fear. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Lions, they always roar to freeze their prey, and then they pounce. And, and that's what the adversary likes to do to you. He likes to, 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 fear, to put fear in your life by roaring, by roaring through a calamity, by roaring through an opposition, by roaring through through the adversity of life and he wants to get you to freeze in fear so that you will not proceed with God. Revelation 21.8 gives us a whole parade of people that are walking into the lake of fire and the very ones that are leading that parade are the fearful. Those that were afraid to to believe in God, those that were afraid to embrace God, those that were afraid to live for God, to accept Christ, those are the ones that lead the parade into hell. That's what the adversary wants, is to put fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and frustration in your life. But Paul says in Romans 8 that it's the spirit by which we have been given is what determines our success. And our success is based on the fact that, that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we are now the children, the heirs of God. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You are a child of God. The Roman understanding of, of adoption, Paul, it's not in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Paul uses it five times, and, it, and it's really amazing. The Roman understanding of adoption was that all ties were severed from the former family. No more ties, no more aunts, no more uncles, no more brothers, no more sisters. That life is gone. And the new life 
is with the new father. And the new father has all of the authority and responsibility of your father. He is your father. And you, the adopted one, are you ready for this? Have the exact same rights and responsibilities as all of his other children. There is no difference between the two. And Paul is trying to help us understand you don't have the spirit of fear. You don't have the spirit of bondage. You are a son of God. You have all the rights and the privileges of every son or daughter of the Lord. And he goes on to say, it's the spirit. Look what it says. It says, indeed, if we suffer together with him, go on to the uh, he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. And he goes on to say that, that, that we can call him Abba, Father. That word Abba in Aramaic kind of loses its translation when it, tr uh, when it comes over to the English, the Korean church we, we have with us, with their, their name in, in Korean loses its effect in English. In English, it's the good Korean church. I don't know what happened to the bad Korean church, but the good Korean church is right here. Sometimes translation doesn't really always work out from one language to the next. In, in Aramaic, this word Abba simply means it's a term of intimacy that you would call daddy or, or it's a focus on love and devotion. It, it is a relationship that you, a father and a child would have that is based on mutual love and admiration. It's the direct opposite of fear. It removes the fear of punishment. When I first came to God, I was afraid of being punished. I did not want to go to hell. Maybe you came to him because you loved him. I just knew that I did not want to go to hell. And I asked him to forgive me. I don't serve the Lord out of fear. I serve Him because I love Him. And when I mess up, and you're going to mess up, I mess up, all of us mess up because we're humans. We're in this growing process. And when I mess up, I don't think instantly about punishment. It's more about shame that I've broken the heart of God. And it hurts me. It grieves me that I grieved him. The relationship changes. You're not worried about the punishment as much as you are. I just hurt my father. the Holy Spirit that confirms that we are the children of God 
If you're not praying in the Spirit, you're not going to receive that confirmation. The closer you get to the Holy Spirit in your life, the closer you get, the more of the Holy Spirit you, you, you allow in your life, the more that confirmation. Ephesians 1, believe 13, Paul says that it's the Holy Spirit that's the earnest. It's the down payment of our inheritance. It's what we have in our lives that helps us understand that what we're going to have. It's what we have been given that, that we understand what we're going to receive. And, and it's the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God is calling his church to, to embrace the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to speak in the Spirit, to do everything you can to have the Holy Spirit live and rule and reign in your life. We're the heirs of, of salvation. And it's that faith that breeds courage. It's, it's that faith and that trust in the, in, in the Lord and stepping out and in, in trusting in what the Spirit says that breeds courage. And when we step out in courage, God begins to move. I'm going to ask our uh, praise team to come back. I want to do something that's uh, it's not normal. It's not what we normally do. But it's Pastor Appreciation Day, so it's kind of like my birthday. So, In Acts chapter 4, in chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Isn't that amazing? They, they weren't coming out of the people, temple after they prayed. They were going to pray. And on their way to Philip, they saw a lame man that sat every single day at the gate. And Peter says, hey, look on us. And he says, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Grabbed his hand, pulled him up. And the man walked for the first time in his life. Walked into the temple, dancing, rejoicing that the Lord had healed him. And the religious leaders of the day looked at the man that had never walked before, that was dancing and rejoicing under the, that, God had, that God had healed him. And the religious leaders danced and rejoiced with him. The religious leaders pulled Peter and John aside and said, knock it off. You're disrupting what we want. So Peter and John go back to the church, to the people, to the ecclesia. They called out those that were on the day of Pentecost and those that had, had grown since that time and started sharing with them what God had done and the amazing things and, and how the leaders had, had demanded that they stop speaking about the name of Jesus. And they do something amazing. They pray. They prayed. They didn't worry. They didn't doubt. They said, Lord... Give us the Holy Spirit that we may preach your name with boldness.
Scripture says in Acts 4.31 that the place that they were in was filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the place that they were in was shaken. That the power of God filled that room, wherever they were. And the Bible says they went out and preached with more boldness than ever. I don't know what circumstances in life that you are facing. But I do know this. That if you connect with the Holy Spirit and you allow the Spirit of God to live and rule and reign in your life, He is going to give you the boldness to to accept the challenges before you. I'm going to ask if you would, would you stand with me? We're not going to have any announcements. We're not going to have a benediction. As the band plays, we're not going to dismiss after a song. I'm going to give you an opportunity to join me right up here to spend as much time as you want in the presence of God. If you need boldness, I'm going to pray that you can pray that God gives you boldness. If you need wisdom, pray God gives you wisdom. If you need direction, pray God gives you direction. If you want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your church, then come up here and pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your church. But allow the Spirit of God to live and rule and reign in your life. If you don't feel that need, by all means, you are dismissed in the name of the Lord. We love you so much. God bless you. If you're watching online, God bless you. But I am calling you as a church to allow the Holy Spirit to live and rule and reign in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Father?